A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are pretty detail-oriented, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird. Jonah, I'm really excited about our guest today. And I know that we normally tell a story at the beginning of the pod about like growing up or something from our childhood. But when I was getting my education in comedy in Chicago after college, where I lived for six years in Chicago, that is, I came to know our guest today. And I still remember him putting on one of the funniest performances I've ever seen in my life. I think he's going to know what it is. But basically, I want him to explain it. So I'm going to introduce our guest today and then I'm going to have him explain the performance. And don't worry, guest, I will tell you what it is so you don't have to like guess it <laughs> in case it's not clear. Does that sound good, Jonah? I think, yeah, sure. Sounds great. Let's just get into it, right? Okay, let's get into it. Okay, so our guest today is a hilarious actor and comedian. You may know from his work on Saturday Night Live, where he played beloved characters such as Lord Windermere and Sex Ed Vincent. He's also appeared in shows and movies such as Trophy Wife, Hello Ladies, and Killing Gunther. Please welcome my good friend, all the way back from our Chicago days, Paul, or as I like to call him, Pal Britton. (laughs) 
<laughs> Welcome, pal. Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me. Hey, Paul. It's been a while, huh? Hey, Jonah. Great to see you. I know. I haven't seen you in forever. It's great to see you. Great to see you as well. Now, it is so great to see you, bud. And you've got to know what I'm talking about. But in case you don't know what performance I'm referencing, it was a little reenactment of a little movie called Three Men and a Baby. Yes. I knew for certain that's what you were referring to because <laughs> there is no other person on planet earth who loved this <laughs> performance more than you and literally no one who has ever mentioned it after it <laughs> happened other than you about 15 times uh, in our <laughs> lives. So I'm so happy how much it has given you joy over the years thinking about it. So yes, it was a show that you and I were both in. Yes. I believe the title of the show was called Comedy Covers. The concept was a bunch of different sketch performers were going to come on and do essentially covers of existing sketch comedy yes. from over the years. Like I can recall someone doing like a Nichols and May sketch and you did like a Cheech and Chong yes. thing, yes. as I recall. Yes. And other sketch comedy. And it was Jordan Klepper and Laura Gray putting on, they were hosting the show. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So I think they did a Nichols and May sketch. Okay. So myself and my comedy partners, Bill Baylor and Rex Graff, who were an improv group called Topaz who were also a member of the improv group Rattlesnake High School, we decided what we wanted to do was basically just a condensed version of the entire movie, Three Men and a Baby. And so that's what we did. So we watched the movie, which we hadn't seen probably since we were children. And it's kind of a crazy movie. <laughs> like there's a whole, you think Three Men and a Baby, and you kind of just think, oh, it's like antics with a baby and like someone spilling milk around the house or something like that. But there's like a whole like gunman and a kidnapping and it's very involved and a little more adult than you remember. But so we just watched the movie and we took our favorite scenes and we smashed it all into like a nine minute version kind of a synopsis of the movie, which was real fun. So I think I played the Steve Gutenberg part. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. And he was, he was like the least serious. He was like a cartoonist. <laughs> they always give someone a job like cartoonist in a movie like this. <laughs> he did, that's true. Let's see. Then we had Bill must have been Tom Selleck. I think. And then Rex must have been Ted Danson. Right, 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 right. And Ted Danson is like an actor right. in the movie. He's away on a movie set during a lot of the movie. Got it. Yeah. So sorry, guys. Spoiler alert. What happens is like Ted Danson's baby that he doesn't know that he has just gets dropped on the doorstep. And then you just got Gutenberg and Selleck trying to raise a baby all of a sudden. And shenanigans left and right as you can imagine there's a shower scene we include I remember the shower because I remember like the stage had that's the thing maybe I remember the most the stage like had a window in it yeah and then like one of you guys like there was actual real working water I feel like maybe it was just someone pouring a water that's exactly what it was it was <laughs> okay. us pouring if I remember correctly it's a scene in the movie where Tom Selleck is just taking a shower with the baby and having a great time <laughs> So, yeah, so I think Rex goes back there with no shirt on behind the window. And then one of us is up on a ladder just pouring water on him as he's twirling around with the baby. Right. So all of that and whatever else. I feel like the most famous scene from that is like the three of them singing the baby to sleep. Yes, that's right. 
best part of your performance too. I'm re- singing "Good Night, Sweetheart," <laughs> and it looks like I'm reading the summary. There's something where they give drug dealers a can of powdered milk that they think are drugs. Did you guys tackle that scene? We must have. Like the details <laughs> are fuzzy for me as well. But I think somehow the baby ends up with cocaine in its diaper, and you know, there's a real mix-up. But yeah, I think we definitely did that, and running away from the gunmen and the drug dealers and 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 all of. It. Yeah. Singing Goodnight, Sweetheart. I don't want to skip over that. That was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> the three of you singing. And what was the baby? Was it just a doll you guys used? Yeah. It wasn't a real baby, Vanessa. No, no, I know. I know. I, know. Right I, know. <laughs> I was trying to remember if it was like just a blanket, but I think there was a baby doll. Yeah, it was a doll. So, Paul, is this available? People can see this anywhere or you had to be there? <laughs> I think you had to be. I mean, if someone in the universe has this filmed, it's possible. I have not seen it since that night in 2009, is my guess. I don't know. That's really interesting, though, that you say, because it does feel like a lot of the comedies from this era, I don't know, like Home Alone or whatever, they are really like violent. And even though they're funny, there's like a lot of like just kind of weird elements in them that you don't really see in kind of kid friendly movies today. Right. Just like the juxtaposition of like, yeah, silly baby hijinks and then like, you know, drug dealer with a gun is like <laughs> right. gonna maybe kill someone. <laughs> right, right. I guess they're trying to keep the parents interested. I don't know where that comes from, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think just you could just throw all those things all in the same movie. I feel like with TV shows as well of the day, just like very serious stuff in a sitcom you know the special episodes where like they're dealing with a hard-hitting topic on just like a multi-cam sitcom yeah you could just throw anything all into the same project and it was like not jarring for whatever reason yeah it was not jarring but it was like not subtle either like they'd be like this is the episode that's about this serious topic and like (laughs) we're gonna make it very clear that that's what this is yeah i remember those like family ties yeah and like different strokes yeah there was one with like a you know just real hard-hitting topics like drug addiction and like someone died in a car accident and like yeah real fun stuff real funny stuff i remember they do it a lot with fresh prince of bel-air they'd be like yeah your family should all watch this one Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the commercial for it would be like for the whole family i don't watch enough shows like that now to know if they do that still but i bet they don't because people are like so evolved not to burn people in the 90s or 80s but like (laughs) they're probably just like i don't know i think there's just a lot more awareness around that stuff or more shows that integrate it in like a different way where they don't have to be like let's do a drunk driving episode and just talk about it and do a psa before it and after it like i think it's there's just more awareness i don't know what do you think paul yeah it's that and it's like these shows would have like 25 30 million viewers it's like right they were kind of all things to all people, like everyone from kids to, you know, adults are yeah, watching them. And it true. was just like, it may have been the case that like the outgrowth from like some of those 70s sitcoms that were like all in the family and stuff like that, like they would deal with real serious topics and it must have just gotten mixed into the sitcom genre. I don't know, like that might be a thing. I'm remembering also now one where this has probably been referenced a million times, but like there was a Punky Brewster episode where it was all about like if you find an empty refrigerator don't go in it and close the door because you'll get stuck in it yep like 
because that was like a thing that was happening. <laughs> wow. Or too much. That's the only episode of Punky Brewster <laughs> I can think of because I feel like I've heard it referenced like that and like the Saved by the Bell with the drug use. Like it's like. Where Jesse takes drugs. I'm so excited. Yes. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. Yeah. Those have become some of like the most memorable episodes of these shows. Yeah. Because they're normally comedy skewing. I mean, I obviously like dramas, for example. I think I brought this up before, but when on Party of Five, Bailey gets in a car accident because he's drunk driving something that, you know, his dad, I think maybe they reveal later that the reason their parents died was because his dad was drunk driving. I remember Jonah very, a teenage Jonah very strongly being like, what does he get off for this just because he's Bailey? Like he was drunk driving. Like, I don't think Bailey deserves special treatment just because he's Bailey. It's true. He does not. And it was like, it was hard for me because I had such a crush on Scott Wolf slash Bailey. And I was like, yeah, but I don't know. He wasn't trying to, you know, but Jonah, you were like, "Uh uh-uh, Bailey or no Bailey. This is a crime. Yeah, it's true. Paul, I wanted to change gears really quick and just ask you something completely different. You know, you grew up Champaign, Illinois, the 90s. I think we've talked about this before. In college there, yeah. You're in college there. Okay. I wanted to know, I think we talked about this, but like Braid, Captain Jazz, like the Midwest emo scene that was like kind of a prime location. Were you into that stuff? I was not quite at the time, but I knew of Braid and the band that was like the biggest in Champagne at that time was Hum. Hum, yes. If you remember that band, like they had like- Who is back together. Yes, I saw that they like recorded a new album recently. Yeah. But they had like- one or two songs like that would get like MTV rotation. So that was kind of a big thing. Stars, yeah. I mean, that was huge. Did you ever see Hum back in the 90s? I saw them in Champagne, definitely, because I think they were... Wow. I don't know if they live there full-time still or if they were just frequently back or whatever, but yeah, saw them then. But now, okay, correct me here if I'm wrong. Braid and... Is it Bob Nana? Bob Nana Braid, yep. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Frontman. And then he formed Hey Mercedes. That is correct. Hey Mercedes was like three quarters of Braid, basically. So I have hung out with him, met him because he was friends with Vanessa, you'll know, Brian Shortall, improviser in Chicago, you'll know. I think they were friends from college or something like that. And then he just had connections to various improv people over the years when living in Chicago. So yeah, I think I saw him Mercedes with Mike O'Brien, if I recall correctly, at the Metro. Wow. Yeah. That must have been a classic night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For <laughs> real. Way, way back. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. I don't know any of the. I heard Braid and I thought... And it's a hairstyle. <laughs> but Paul, where are you from in Chicago? Yeah, where are you from, Paul? I grew up in Naperville, which is like 30 minutes from Chicago, suburb, just classic suburbia, suburban Chicago, John Hughes vibes. You know. Right, 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 right. Yeah, we're from a suburb of Cleveland, so we're kind of classic Cleveland. You're going to dub yourself classic Cleveland. Yeah, CC, classic <laughs> Cleve. Sure. Okay, and just to finish up this thing about your performance of a lifetime, yes. have you ever seen Three Men and a Little Lady? Oh, great question, Vanessa. I don't know if I have. I don't know if I have. Because do we know what year that would have come out? It would have been like, because I'm trying to think how old the little lady was. I always thought she looked like our cousin Lauren. Oh, it's based on something that came out in 85. Trey Holmes Uncoffine. So it came out in 1990. Okay. And 87 was, so the little lady, I feel like she would be three, but I think they played her more as like four or five. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen it. I Maybe I have, but I might've been like, now I'm 13 or whatever. And 
this three men and a little lady isn't my speed. Yeah, I'd rather go see, you know, Jurassic Park or... I'd rather go shoot hoops in the cul-de-sac. Exactly, exactly. What's really funny is the plot, you're right, like talking about the cartoonist thing is so funny. It's like, Peter and Michael continue as architect and cartoonist, so Jack has a little acting work. Yes. It does seem weird. Like It's like, I'm an architect, and I'm a cartoonist, and I'm an actor, and we all live together and hang out. These are all jobs that, I guess we know people who are actors. I've never met anyone who's an architect or a cartoonist in my life. I know they exist. But also, they're all pretty good jobs that like you wouldn't necessarily, as an adult, need a roommate. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, that's also true. Like the fact that the three of them <laughs> are sharing rent. Tom Selleck is an architect, and he just lives with two other dudes. <laughs> yeah, so. He's probably in his 30s, but he always looked like he was 48 years yeah, old, like probably yeah, yeah, since yeah. he was 20. Yeah. But yeah, those are always the job. Like someone is always an architect architect in in TV (laughs) and movies because I think it's thought of as like this is a very like serious professional job but there's an element of creativity to it so it's like kind of fun and like Mr. Brady on the Brady Bunch was an architect he was right yeah he always had blueprints in his tubes right 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 right. (laughs) like someone was always riding a bike to like get these tubes over to the right company with the blueprints for the building yeah that's true. That's a really good point. Yeah, I don't know. And have you ever met a cartoonist? I feel like maybe cartoons were more of like in the papers and stuff that was more of a job back then. I don't know. I feel like I know of people in the comedy world who like draw cartoons and like try to get in the newspaper and maybe have. But right. it seems like there cannot be many people with that job in the country. <laughs> well, it seems like animators who like make right. movies that are animated probably used to skew closer to like cartoonists because right. animated stuff was so much more simple. Yeah. But now I guess, I don't know. I Are those cartoonists? People who make animated movies? Go see Super Pets only in theaters? Okay. I don't think they would love to be called cartoonists. I guess they are. Oh, Olivia says yes. Our producer says yes. I don't know. To me, it seems like what they do is a lot. When I think of a cartoonist, I think of like Steve Gutenberg drawing like a smiley face on a palm tree or something. I don't know. Like they have their own comic strip in the newspaper and they're cranking them out like every day like there's so many yes shows and movies where that is a job that someone has yeah yeah it's someone at an easel kind of a thing or at a desk <laughs> right. and they're drawing it and they're like putting little word bubbles in that are like is that my tea or yours but <laughs> in context it's really funny that's exactly uh-huh. it and then you know paul just to kind of close this up we uh did a watch through me and vanessa there's something about mary where there's a character who Hmm. pretends to be an architect also okay yeah right that's the big thing that he puts on is like i'm an architect and everyone's impressed Mm -hmm. right there's always an architect and i think it's like you know if you have a job you know some other job in an office or you're a lawyer or something like that like architect sounds like wow wouldn't it be great to be an architect if i somehow could do that but yeah (laughs) yeah it feels like a corporate job that's also creative yeah right yeah and you have to be smart to do it Mm -hmm. yeah totally well on that note we're going to take a quick commercial break and when we come back with paul Britton, we'll get more into the world of architecture i'm kidding (laughs) we're going to talk about other fun stuff not that that would be a bad if we were but okay bye Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. 
you'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. And we're back with Paul. So, Paul, we reached out to you. You gave us some great ideas for topics. The one we landed on was TV Guide magazine. And we wanted to augment this also with the TV Guide channel. Yes. And could you just dig into a little bit your kind of TV Guide experiences in yeah. formative years as Paul Britton, little kid version of you? Yeah. Well, I just remember it being like we were a TV Guide subscriber family. Like we got it in the mailbox every week. I don't know if same with you guys or not. I think we did for a period of time. Did we? I didn't think we did. Maybe we did. But it was obviously always available right there at the checkout counter. Right. At, at your local supermarket. It's right there. But so 
just thinking about just how different things were then compared to now with just anything being on demand streaming, like anything you can imagine is available, like at your fingertips. And then we not only had the TV guide, but there was also like, there'd be a section in the newspaper, like the Sunday newspaper that was like a big TV listing thing as well. And like, I remember my dad sometimes like circling, just like with a pen (laughs) circling, like here's some shows that we got to hit on Saturday (laughs) at four o'clock is this or whatever. And like, you could just look through the entire week and be like, oh, this guest star on Give Me a Break or whatever. Or yeah, just like to find out because like otherwise you were just like whatever is on the TV right now is you would have no other way of knowing what it's going to be. You're at the mercy of whatever it was is like a David Copperfield magic special going to preempt my favorite show on Thursday. Like, I want to know that. Right. And so there was just way more like looking stuff up in advance. Yeah. You know, than I feel like I have done. Like, it was just such a part of, you know, our life. So you're like making your social calendar for the week, but you're consulting the TV guide to see if there's any kind of (laughs) conflicts, basically. Or like, how important is this show? Like, maybe this one isn't that important, but this like cannot be missed. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my social calendar as it was, was mainly watching TV, I imagine. So yes, (laughs) my TV calendar. Exactly. All that stuff. And like, you know, like there could be conflicts over like I have two sisters, like older sister, younger sister, parents like you had to either like settle on like what everyone wants to watch or like you're not going to get, you know, an episode of the A-Team or whatever this week. Right, right. (laughs) How many TVs did you have going in the Britain household? We had, I feel like definitely two and then maybe at some point like a small like black and white one in the kitchen as well. So two or three, like we'd have one in the basement and then one in the kitchen as well. Yeah. So sometimes you would just be spread around the house, but like I can still hear my dad saying, does anyone know where the TV guide went? (laughs) Not like angry, but just like this reference book, like (laughs) is required for planning out like, you know, what the schedule will be. I, completely forgot but i remember i think this was which we'll reference later we like to talk about the local cleveland paper the plain dealer Mm -hmm. i feel like the plain dealer did the same thing on sunday where they would just list out the tv listings for like the whole week sort of yeah and you would just like look through there and it was sort of like another resource if you didn't get tv guide Mm -hmm. we definitely got rolling stone when we were growing up but i think we might have gotten tv guide too i remember i was telling jonah we had like this like sort of side table hutch thing in our den and I remember it had cabinets in it and so drawers <laughs> sort of had cabinets it's hard to Ca- explain it was kind of a circular thing it would open up and then it had like a little thing that you could pull out you could put a drink on it or something exactly I forgot okay. about that part of it that was the best part it was almost like a wooden version of what you'd put blueprints in it was like a cone <laughs> like that shape good size for blueprints for sure you could put so many blueprints in there anyway but I remember opening like the cabinet slash in it as like a teenager and there was like a TV guide I thought it was although it could have been a Rolling Stone now that I'm thinking about it but I thought it was a TV guide with like Whoopi Goldberg on the cover from when she was like in 
ghost or something. Like it was almost like it was like a time capsule. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of shaped like a time capsule too, just to get back (laughs) into that. But I remember there were like TV guides in there from like years ago. Again, they could have been Rolling Stones, but I think they were TV guides. But I remember they were sort of like a magazine, but it sort of was like the pages were sort of newspapery. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So would you hold on to them, Paul? Like, or is it the week's over? This thing's going in the trash. Useless, I think, after a week. No, would throw them out. Yeah. Yeah. My dad would definitely like save a lot of like other magazines. Like we got Premiere Magazine, like the movie magazine. And those would be in boxes and stuff like that stacked up. But no, yeah, that would just get chucked because you don't want a bunch of TV guides lying around and you're looking at the wrong. Yeah, it's confusing. It's a Yeah, then that David Copperfield special comes on. (laughs) You're looking at the wrong week. You're in for a not so pleasant surprise unless you love Copperfield. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So this is a question. I think this was possible, but I don't think we ever did it. Maybe your family did it. We were not super tech savvy. Mm. But wasn't there a way where you could like program your VCR like four days from now at this time I wanted to record something? Wasn't that a possibility? Yeah, it was. Did anyone do that? Definitely not in our house. We, <laughs> our okay. family was also, like at some point when I was still a kid, I rose to the rank of most tech savvy person. So <laughs> it's, like. It's always like a seven year old kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hooking up the Nintendo when we got that. And like, I'm tasked with it. Like as just above my mom be like, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. The wires can only go into one place. Like the, <laughs> yeah. you don't have to know that much. Like right. it won't even go into a wrong place. <laughs> It'll only go in the right place. You can't get it wrong. But yeah, like programming a VCR, that was definitely above my pay grade. But we would <laughs> record TV shows just like, you know. And go, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, frequently. yeah. I was gonna say the thing that Jonah and I kind of thought of first when we were talking about TV Guide was that TV Guide channel, which maybe still exists. I don't know if it does. It used to be called the Preview Network, I think. We were doing some research on it. Yeah. And it was such a frustrating channel because it would show all of the listings of every single station. And then if you missed yours, you just had to wait for it to go through like all the like pay-per-view, like all the extra channels that like nobody had that you'd have to pay for. And then you'd get through it. And then finally you'd scroll back to the network you were looking for. Meanwhile, if you're looking away, you're going to miss it. You got to stay on it. And it just felt so like you would just sit there, Jonah and I were talking about kind of soothing to watch at the same time. Yeah, like, there's a found a link I can send it to you to on YouTube. It might have played for a second. And the top comment is, does anyone else remember watching this as a teen and just zoning out? Yeah. And yeah, you could just put it on. Would it have like kind of soothing music? Yeah. I wonder if you can. Can you hear this? You can. It's Maybe it's just going my headphone. But yeah, I guess it had this kind of soothing music that was kind of like relaxing or something. Well, this actually sounds like this song is actually very weird. I think generally from the comments, yeah, people say like the music, people really like the music. Okay, the channel first launched in 81 is the Electronic Program Guide Network. It was carried by cable and some satellite television providers. And it used to feature a scrolling program guide. That's what we're talking about. And then there would be like a screen at the top of it that would show short segments featuring previews of upcoming programs and promos and short form film trailers for programs airing on various channels. So it's sort of like a commercial going on too. It has since been rebranded a bunch of different ways into TV Guide close-up TV Guides. I don't know. Anyway, right now, if you tried to watch it, it would be called Pop and you have to pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, when you hit the guide button, if you have cable, 
I don't have cable, but I think you hit that guide button. It kind of brings this whole thing up. Right. And you can actually like click on stuff and watch it in real time. Yeah. You can like navigate around. Yeah. So to me, it would seem weird to pay for this channel that just shows you scrolling, (laughs) scrolling that you have to wait like 20 minutes to get to what you need. Devotees of the, the scrolling feed version will will pay for this for me because i have cable sorry to brag when i go to that channel guide it still sort of is playing in the background whatever i'm watching you know whereas i think a lot of streaming networks for example for sure like netflix takes their cues a little bit from tv guide channel where like while you're deciding what to watch it's like plays a lot of promos for other shows i guess it's not an exact same model because i guess you have to sort of have your cursor on the show for it to play but the point is tv guide has really informed <laughs> yeah not sure netflix has taken a ton of business <laughs> ideas from tv guide i think netflix has kind of got it covered <laughs> well, it sounds like they might have wanted to because they're <laughs> a little not too <laughs> right, right. When you mentioned TV Guide channel, I wasn't thinking of this thing because I remember it before it was called TV Guide, especially just the thing that we're talking about, the scrolling previews yeah, channel. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, I just missed the channel I wanted to. Now it's gonna be two more minutes <laughs> yeah. before it scrolls <laughs> yes, back exactly. to it. Yeah. But so it must have been the case that that was on your cable provider, like yes. you know, whatever company owned the scrolling TV listings channel. And then like TV guide is just like, screw these people. We should own this thing. Like the behind the scenes negotiating for TV guide to take that over would be a fascinating history to learn, I suppose. Or an incredible dramatic TV series. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Like a secession type thing where they're sitting around with the magazines (laughs) and they're like, what is it going to take? We need the channel. We need every aspect covered. What do you think, Paul? (laughs) Yeah, I desperately want to watch this made-for-TV movie. Just like the scrolling channel comes in and just eats, you know, TV Guide's lunch. And they're over at TV Guide Corporate. They're just livid trying to figure out how we can take this over and get back in the game. I would watch the crud out of that. There's so many shows about making TV shows. I'm I'm guilty (laughs) of having one, but... Mm -hmm. Like, it does seem like that would be a real thing that they'd be like, when TV Guide (laughs) got mad at the scrolling channel, what went down? Mm -hmm. It does seem like at different times that scrolling guide channel was TV Guide branded and not TV. It seems like they had like a bit of a back and forth with actual TV Guide. Now, Paul, I've got a pretty important question for you. Uh, Have you ever heard of TV Weekly? This is also a publication called TV Weekly. TV Weekly. Yeah. Have you ever heard of TV Weekly? Um, Because you might be talking to someone right now who's been on the cover. Oh, my. I must have heard of TV Weekly. And it's such a... I bet you haven't. (laughs) No brainer. Correct. (laughs) Like if it didn't exist, I would assume that a publication called that exists. Yep. So... It exists. Vanessa was on the cover of the May 1st through May 7th issue. And Mm -hmm. when we were, me and my parents were in LA for the premiere of her TV show, we tried, which I think this coincided with, we tried to find a copy at a magazine stand that had a lot of magazines. And the guy kept being like, TV Guide? And we were like, no, actually, we're looking for (laughs) TV Weekly. And the guy was like, yeah, I don't have that. And someone had like taken off the cover and given it to our mom. So our parents have one now. It's one of those things where like, 
I don't think anyone told me that I was on the cover, which is always like a little... I didn't do a photo shoot for it. It is... <laughs> oh, you didn't know in advance. <laughs> it's a photo that was taken from our marketing shoot for my show. So it's like, it is like a new mm-hmm. photo, but I was surprised to be a cover girl. I'm not trying to sound ungrateful, but... No, and neither am I, by the way. It's a weird move taking the cover off and being like, oh, I know this person whose daughter's on the cover, but I really need this actual content in TV Weekly. <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to give them the cover. <laughs> and hold on to it. It's like, why not just wait till the end of the week? Just give them the whole thing. I don't remember who gave it to her, but I do think that that is something from their generation because they're like, guess what was in there? All the listings probably for the coming week. And she was probably like, for the week. I'm happy to give up this cover to my friend whose daughter is on it. But at the same time, I got to know, I'm going to circle my favorite programs. Yeah. I don't know what time Modern Family's on by looking at the cover. I don't need this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, it's in reruns now, Jonah. Did you know that? Yeah, but it's still on at a specific time, right? I mean, that's true. Salatus indication. That's there, you know. Does TV Guide the channel, does that still exist? Do we know? The magazine still is weekly. You can subscribe. Paul, do you get TV Guide magazine? I do not. I have not since I was a kid. Maybe but... we should buy Paul a subscription. You can get it for the first year, I think we saw for like $15. It's cheap. But then it's like $120 a year after that, Jonah, did you say? It's like gets... It's pretty pricey. They kind of get you with the first year and you're like, I can't live without this. And then they're bumping up the price. Hope you forget to cancel. Yeah. I was just saying, if TV Guide channels still existed, it would be great for them to do an original movie about them taking over the scrolling <laughs> channel. Like a TV Guide original movie. Like I that's think what we're going to come out of this with, with everybody pitch. got a soft pitch <laughs> to networks. Now, I mm-hmm. want to say that Okay. After CBS Corporation bought stakes in TV Guide's properties in March 2013, TV Guide Network was rebranded under the abbreviated name TVGN that April to de-emphasize its ties to TV Guide magazine as part of a transition into general entertainment format while the channel gradually decommissioned its scrolling listings grid. Then what's it for? The network was relaunched as POP (laughs) on January 14th, 2015, With its programming focus shifting towards shows about pop culture and fandom. So now you got pop again. I don't know. It's got nothing to do with TV Guide. Is this different than the channel if you go to a hotel or something? They have like all the channels. Yeah, so Jonah was saying when you go into a hotel room and and you turn on the TV and Mario Lopez is talking about what movies. I have to tell this story really quickly. One time Kate McKinnon and I were doing this movie called office Christmas party and we had to do some reshoots and it was like we were in the middle of filming SNL so somehow they flew us like in the middle of the night like they flew us like during a work week or something and we got to our hotel at like three in the morning or something and they were like okay we've got some pretty nice rooms for you they cared a lot more about they were like they cared more about Kate they sort of were ignoring me and I was like hey guys I'm in the movie too but anyways (laughs) so they took us to our rooms and each of us were in these huge suites keep in mind we're really only there for like we're sleeping for like three hours then we're filming then we're going back to New York so anyways we both were talking about we got into our rooms and every single light was on every TV was on and Mario <laughs> Lopez was talking on every TV about what movies they had and st- like that you could buy on the TV and literally each of us had to spend like 20 minutes just like turning all the lights off and turning all the Mario Lopez's off I'll never forget it because it was like they were trying to be nice but it's also like guys we're getting here because <laughs> you know how also I find side note 
a lot of times in hotels, it's really hard to figure out how to turn the lights off. Yeah. Like the more modern the hotel, the more insane their light fixture setup is. Mm-hmm. Like the lights are way too advanced, but the TV is still stuck in the 1980s. <laughs> like you've yeah. got this scrolling exactly. guide. Yeah. 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 But yeah. So Mario Lopez, he's gotten some kind of sweet deal where anytime you go to a hotel, he's on the guide channel, which is, I don't know if it's associated with TV guide or not. I mean, in our movie, it can be slash made for this TV. Could be movie. A sequel. This could be sequel. I bet you we could get him to be in the actual movie too. <laughs> oh, I think, I mean, the, no burn to him, but I think he'd love to be part of something that this trio is creating. <laughs> but he like says like, here's the movies you can watch. Like, does he do sort of a light pitch of like action adventure and a dog that just learned how to do tricks? <laughs> Or something like, does he introduce? I can't remember, but he like sort of throws two yeah. trailers, right? I have the memories of this in my brain. Like, here's what's playing. Yeah. Yeah, I bet he has some some fancy little setup dialogue. Yeah. And then like Mario acts surprised and a dog who can shoot a gun. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> who knew that Mario Lopez, by the way, would turn into a TV personality? Yeah, like a, a ubiquitous TV host. Yeah, yeah. He's never been in like a drama or he's never had any outside of the Bella. He's never had any big like acting roles. He kind of really just transitioned into like the hosting thing. Is that true? I don't know. I can't think of anything he did. I would bet he must have. You he know, must have done some stuff in the early days after. Was he on the college Saved by the Bell? Oh, for sure. He was. For sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. He continued through the franchises. Now, somebody told me, I believe it was early on in my time living in Chicago. So I'm probably 22, 23. Somebody told me that he was Jennifer Lopez's brother. And I went on to spread this rumor (laughs) like wildfire. I'd be like, did you know his sister is Jennifer Lopez? And people would be like, what? And I'd be like, I know it's crazy. The amount of people I told before, just by that time, the internet did exist. I could have looked it up. Sure did. Sure did. <laughs> but I had no interest. I had my hands on a hot scoop and I was going to spread it around. Town. I'm going to blow everybody's mind at the bar. What was the context? There yeah, were people like, hey, Vanessa, how are you? And you're like, well, actually. It would just be like someone. <laughs> It would just be someone talking about one or the other. And I'd be like, man, I listened to the new J-Lo. Do you know her brother is Mario Lopez? And they go, what a talented family. I mean, I'm wondering if like the person who told you if they actually thought that or if they're like the kind of person who's like, I'm going to lie and mess up this youngster. I have no recollection of who told it to me. Isn't that funny? Do you think there's a chance that you told it to yourself? I was just thinking that. I don't think so. I think somebody told me and I was so, you know, when you have like a fun fact and you're like, this fact rules. Nobody knows what this fact is. I'm going to tell them their mind's going to be blown. They're going to tell their friends. It feels so exciting and fun to be like the person who like knows this thing that you're like just sitting on for whenever you want to use it. And Look, again, I I bet most of the people who I told it to have since, you know, also like myself, you know, debunked it, as it were. But I really thought they were. Can you remember when you used to tell this fun fact to the point where you realized I better not? This is not true. I've, I've learned it's not true. I would say 
I think I found out probably early years in Chicago is when I heard it and then spread it around. I mean, it's possible I learned it in college too. That's actually probably where I learned it. And then I would say by the time I was leaving Chicago, I'd like to think I knew. So it was just several years of you telling people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like, you know, J-Lo never hosted when we were at SNL, but I feel like I never thought like, oh, if she hosts, maybe she can get her brother to come on and do like a bit. (laughs) Whereas like stuff like that would cross my mind a lot. Like I'd be like, if Claire Danes comes, then she can get Jared Leto to come. Then we can get um, Wilson Cruz who lives here to come and we'll just reenact my so-called life in a sketch. Like that kind Mm -hmm. of thinking was always in my mind. Again, someone who has no control over who the hosts are just, Mm -hmm. but anyways, TV guide (laughs) also, Mario Lopez, I mean, how much do we think he gets paid to just be in hotels all the time? I mean, that's marketing. It's a huge gig. A huge gig. Good for him, you know? Right. I mean, he's just universally, you know, well-loved. And so that's who you want as the face of your TV talking at you in your hotel. Exactly. Yeah. With all the time he spends at hotels, more like saved by the bellhop, you know? (laughs) Wow, Jonah. How long were you sitting on that? <laughs> Actually, not not that long. But then I was like, "Am I using this term right?" I'm not sure if what a bellhop is, but it, I think it is. He's a hotel porter. I just looked it up. So that's that's great. I'm pretty proud of that one. I love it. Thank you. Wow, coming from two pros, I appreciate. I mean, that. Vanessa, you seemed dis- you were kind of dismissive, like shaking your head at that. That I would think that was right. Up your uh, alley. You're right. I didn't give it enough respect. Here's the thing: what I was gonna say. I don't know if you've been on Jonah's Twitter lately, but <laughs> I've started trolling him on Twitter. So whenever he makes a joke like that, I come on and I kind of make fun of it in a gentle way. Mm-hmm. And I think I was mm-hmm. disappointed just now because I was thinking, man. If he had tweeted that, I really could have gone after it in like a recorded way as opposed to, well, I guess this is recorded. This is being recorded. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. What do you mean when you say go, you would record something and then post it on Twitter is what you would do? No, I just mean like people could go back and read it. Oh, I see. Recorded that way. Yes. Vanessa would post a comment that's like, I guess my brother's a hotel expert now. Or something like that. (laughs) I like to refer to Jonah as my brother, which he is, and Mm -hmm. say like, wow, my brother's now into this. It's Mm -hmm. really so (laughs) condescending. (laughs) And I think it's because Jonah, he's sort of like shy. I don't know if you're shy, Jonah, but like he's just like very kind and sweet. I feel like it's a little vulnerable for him to make these like jokes kind of publicly I don't know. Vulnerable is maybe too strong a word, but then it's just fun to like make fun of him. <laughs> and then you just like put the spotlight on it. Yeah. And it's cool because Vanessa just has like a way bigger audience. Than me too. <laughs> so that, that's a cool part of the dynamic also. Like you would be like so proud of my brother who's really into hotels now. <laughs> <laughs> There's something really fun about because he knows I mean it with love, you yeah. know. But also, I think, <laughs> I think when he puts that stuff out, there's a knowledge that like, you know, it's a friendly and fun free for all. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, feel free to troll me online. You can. Yeah. Well, I'm going to yeah. look for opportunities it's a lot to do of this fun. as well. Now, please do. All right. Please I'm do. I'm looking forward to it. And we'll be back after this break. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. 
you'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. And we're back. Now, Paul, we're going to play a pretty fun game with you that we call Legit Moan or Unnecessary Groan. Legit Moan. Unnecessary Groan. And we kind of came up with this game because our local paper, which I referenced earlier in the pod, the Cleveland Plain Dealer used to have this section called Monday Moaning, where people would write in with complaints. And they're really funny. They stopped doing it about 10 years ago. 
But we've gone into the archives and found some of our favorite complaints from, you know, the early 2010s, the late 2000s. And what we're going to do in this game is we're going to read you three of the Monday morning moans that got into the Cleveland Plain Dealer. And we're going to decide whether each one is a legit moan Mm -hmm. or an unnecessary groan. (laughs) Are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah. I'll start us out. So keep in mind, Paul, all of these were actually were printed in the newspaper. Okay, yes. This one's a little long, but it's worth every second of it. This one's from Avon Lake, Ohio. And it says, and I just want to reiterate, I know I said this, but this was printed in actual national newspaper. (laughs) Well, local, but... Local, but big local. Major local newspaper. A major newspaper. In a major city. Okay, here it is. Shopping Heinen's Produce in Avon, colon. Woman and husband huddled over the lettuce and leeks. I see her arms moving. Finally, she backs up. I look in her hand. She has leeks with all the tops taken off. Me, colon. Did you just break the tops off the leeks? Woman, yes. Me, why? Woman, I don't use them. I looked at her and said, what are Heinen supposed to do with them? She says they can throw them away. Sure enough, she had stuffed the tops behind the rest of the leeks. I went to a produce person and told him. He said, I can't do anything about it. If I say anything to her, I will get in trouble with my manager. No wonder why the cost of produce is so high. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. So, Paul, what do you think? Do you think this is a legit complaint about this person seeing the woman take the heads off the leaks? Or do you think this is a little unnecessary? I mean, my gut reaction is that's a legit moan legit Legit moan like thinking about it like a leak the top referring to the green part i assume is that what we would think or would we think of the white part as the top i think leaks are kind of a weird vegetable i think you eat the opposite part that you think you would maybe right so maybe she's just taking the white or light yellow i think maybe yeah and then presumably like now it weighs a lot less, so she's oh, paying yeah. less for it. Oh. Is that the idea? Yeah, I guess you're right. And then she's stuffing the part she doesn't want kind of back behind the thing. The top of it, if it's like the green parts, are probably pretty le- Like probably the part she's paying for is the heaviest part, right? But it's the smallest part. That's true. The That's most true. of it is the green part and she's not using right. it. Right. And then in the thinking of, you know, of this moaner, the supermarket, you know, is losing out on money from the leak husks. And so then they're raising the prices on produce. Like that's their theory of the case, it seems like. Yes. Yeah. If you're chucking back like more than half of the leak, then the store is going to raise prices on everything because they're losing money on this. So, I mean, if that is really happening, I think it's a legit moan. Also, I think it's just a crazy thing. Like you can't just go in and just start ripping up produce. Like, yeah. Yeah. Then the surprising thing, the employee would get in trouble for mentioning it to her. Yeah. Yeah. Is she an important person? (laughs) Like like she's allowed to do this. It's against policy, but she can do it. As someone who hasn't been to the Heinen's in Avon, I will say from being at other Heinen's, which is a chain of grocery stores in Cleveland, I could see them being like the customer comes first, like don't mess with the customer. So Whereas one customer is complaining the other. It's like, don't confront this customer who's buying stuff. I don't know. Right. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying where I think that 
employee maybe remember there was a thing a couple years ago where like kids were going to grocery stores and like licking the ice cream and like filming themselves and then they were getting in all this trouble like i think this is like not as bad as that agree but yeah i think yeah not nearly as bad but i do think this is a legit moan also and here's what i like about this moan. so paul let me explain a lot of times these people write into the paper like in this passive aggressive way and they don't do anything during the actual situation they're like oh i'm gonna write a letter to the plane dealer Mm -hmm. this guy confronts the woman about it asks her what she's doing yes mm-hmm. gets at then after that still not happy goes to an employee tells the employee and then just as a third thing writes into the paper and i gotta respect that i mean personally i don't think i could do it i think i would be too shy also this doesn't really affect me i think the connection between this incident and higher overall produce prices that part i'm not sure about but i like the fact that they take action then they write the letter. In my opinion, this person has literally gone above and beyond anything they could do for this situation. It's time to move on. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I agree with you. Like the amount that this is raising prices on everything is probably minuscule and that argument's kind of silly. But yeah, I would never do it. But I would wish that I would at least if I saw someone doing this, be like, can I ask you a question? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I want to learn, like, what's the thought process here? Vanessa, what are your thoughts? Well, I was going to say, I agree with you guys. I mean, I think everybody could have handled this better. <laughs> I'll start with the person who was doing it, the person who was taking the tops off the leaks. <laughs> That's a shitty move. Don't do that. This is a legit moan. That's a weird thing to do. Also, it's like no one's going to buy just the leaves. It's sort of like fucking with the market. I think what you're saying, Paul, like, and I don't mean the market, like the price of produce. I mean, like the supermarket. <laughs> And I guess the person was doing it because they just didn't want to like have waste and also the vegetables would be lighter. But I think just like buy the whole thing, be a human. Now, the employee getting the complaint and then saying like, I can't do anything, I'll get in trouble. At the very least, what the employee could do is go over there and clear the leaves because no one's going to buy those. And those are just leaves that have been sort of manhandled, Mm -hmm. you know, like at least like for the other customers, like clean things up a little bit as opposed to just being like, my hands are tied, I can't do anything. And the other thing is, why didn't that employee, if they were worried about getting in trouble with their manager, why didn't they take it to their manager? And or why didn't this person say, can I talk to your manager? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. I mean, this person's already done a lot of labor. Yeah, for the situation. person I think is the least at fault, which is why I still think it's a legit moan. However, I think ending on no wonder the cost of produce <laughs> is so high kind of weakens their point because they've actually been very proactive in trying to fix this. But then their takeaway being no wonder the cost of produce is so high. Honestly, you guys giving this person credit, this might be a joke he was making. He or she, I guess we have no, it might be a joke this person is making. Like after all this, like I'm exasperated. No wonder the cost of produce is so high. (laughs) But I don't think they realize it reads as though this is like the person's takeaway and that weakens their point. But I agree, legit moan. I think we all legit legit moan. moan All right, unanimous. On to the next. Okay, this is from someone from Lakewood. And we didn't tell you this, pal, but they don't write their names at the bottom. They just say where in Cleveland they're from. And sometimes they don't even do that. Okay, Lakewood. My complaint is about the severe storm warnings on TV. All you hear is the loud warning sound slash beep throughout the program. When it comes to the commercials, all you hear is the loud commercial. Why don't they have the storm warning interrupting them? With all these bad storms these days, the advertisers and the money they make, they should be the ones to worry the worst. Okay, sorry. 
So this person is saying their complaint is the storm warnings play like the loud sounds and beeps throughout the program you're watching. But then the commercials, you only hear the commercial and they're saying advertisers are so rich. They should be the ones, again, as this person puts it, to worry the worst. But I think what they're trying to say is they should be the ones who have to also like bear the burden of the loud beeps and sounds. This person also says the commercials are loud. So they're already mad at how loud the commercials are. Yeah, they go. It goes from the beeping program to the loud commercials. So they already have it out for commercials and advertisers. (laughs) Paul, what do you think? What do you think of this one? Okay, to make sure I've got the facts correct here. It's like storm warning or tornado or whatever. Emergency weather. The Beeping is going off. The TV is running and the audio has dropped out and you've just got like loud warnings. Mm -hmm. And then when it goes to a commercial, the warnings have completely disappeared and it's just commercial unfettered is what's happening. Okay. At least from an audio perspective. Right. I don't know where to come down on this. Like on the one hand, I think we can preempt the commercial. I think everyone would be happy if we did, but I don't know if it's such a big deal that we need to write a letter about it. <laughs> so I'm really on the fence here. Paul, I can tell you're really trying to weigh both sides of this. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say it's not a legit moan. It's a groan. What's the term for that? An unnecessary, unnecessary groan. groan. I'm going to give it an unnecessary uh, groan. Because you already heard the beeps groan. and you know that there's a storm warning or whatever. And so you've been informed. So it's not a big deal. It's not big enough of a deal. Groan. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Now, I would say, and I'm not trying to defend, you know, big brother, big business, you know, father business or whatever. Father business. But I think what this person doesn't know is that the reason they're able to watch this show for free (laughs) is because of the commercials. Okay. Or at whatever rate they're watching it at. I guess they have to pay for it. But you know what I'm saying? The reason it's not premium is because of commercials. And so... There's some kind of a business happenings going on here, probably, where there probably is like something scrolling across the screen, even during the commercials about the storm warning. But just the noise, I think the reason it's not happening then is because there's some kind of business deal from Father Business (laughs) where they have to like be playing the commercial audio or else like they don't get like the money that the advertisers are providing. Also, the other issue that I have with this is the person isn't saying, I guess the person is trying to say, but they don't really make this clear. The beeping should happen during the commercials because they're saying, again, to quote, with all these bad storms these days, the advertisers and the money they make, they should be the ones to worry the worst. So I think what they're trying to say by that is the commercial should have to bear the beeps and not the show. It's called business. And I think like that's not how it works. Like I think you were saying it before, the advertiser would probably come back and say like, there was a storm warning during the commercial, so we don't have to pay for that time. Yeah. Like that's how it would go down. Yeah. And then it's going, this person's got to pay for it. You know what I mean? The other thing is like people zone out a lot during commercials and from just a safety perspective, it probably is more noticeable if the beeping happens during the program and not during the commercials when maybe people have the TV muted, they're going up for a bathroom break or to get a snack. Jonah, what do you think? Yeah, I got to say, you know, something that that I don't think we've really hit on as much as I think this person has a bias. You know, they're talking about how loud the commercials are. 
this person, I think, just doesn't like commercials. And I get it. Yeah. And I do remember during this era, sometimes you would be watching a show and then the commercial was insanely loud, like so much louder than the show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I get it. But I also feel like it's hard for them maybe to take that out of the equation. They're already looking for things to critique about commercials and they see this thing. And so to me, this is more about this person's personal issues with commercials than it is about the actual storm warnings. It's my take. So I'm going to say this is an unnecessary. Unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, I feel wrong. like I'd maybe be on their side if just their entire moan was just don't make the commercials louder than the show. Yes. Like if it was just that. I'd be like, yeah, I agree. I agree. I hate when it's way too loud all of a sudden. We don't need to rope in the uh, storm warning. Safety warning. I think we're all calling this an unnecessary storm warning. Unnecessary Jonah, you want to read this last one? Yeah, I'll read the last one. This is a short but sweet. I'm so sad to see that the Cleveland Indians players that go to businesses charge $25 for their autographs to the kids. Let's get real here. <laughs> Having a little bit of a grammatical issue with this one. Yeah. I'm so Sometimes s- these are hard to read out loud because I'm like, oh, am I reading this wrong? I'm like, no, this is the way these are phrased are very confusing. Anyways, so basically this person is saying Cleveland Indians players are doing these autograph signings. They're charging kids $25 for an autograph. Paul, I don't know if you're, you know, a White Sox or a Cubs fan or yeah, no, White Sox. Okay, got it. So what do you think (laughs) about baseball players charging 25 bucks to sign a kid's hat? One, I think this sounds like they must be referring to like an event. Yeah. Like at a place, like at a mall or something. Where you can go there. Yeah, that go to businesses. Yeah. If you go to the baseball game, you can go down before the game and players will sign stuff, hats and baseballs and stuff like that. And they're not charging you then if you're a kid at the game. But if they're doing this other event, like at a mall or something, I don't have any problem with them charging money for the autograph you also have like you know people who are then selling the merchant you know selling memorabilia they're making money off that as well so right the players don't have to do these events i mean they probably do other stuff that's like charity that might be in this realm but if they're just like come on down and meet you know jim tomey former Cleveland Indian. Sure. Now the Cleveland Guardians, of course. He's doing an event. If you don't want to pay $25, you don't have to go. (laughs) Yeah. So you know what you're getting into. I'm going to say unnecessary groan for me. All right. Well, I actually did a little research on this. And Mm -hmm. this is still happening. And there's actually an event coming up September 6th at the Winking Lizard on Miles Road, where me and Vanessa have been many times. And Mike Hargrove, the Indians' former manager and player, is doing a signing. You get autographs, photo ops, dinner, and a Q&A. 59 bucks, 25 bucks for kids 10 and under. And to me, it's like, okay, let's make it free for kids 10 and under. I mean, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It feels to me like charge the adults. They have jobs. They have money. Some kid wants an autograph of a baseball player. You know, it's a little kid. 10 years old or younger. I mean, these kids, they're not working. They probably love baseball. They really look up to these (laughs) kids. The logic is that the money comes from the parent, not from the kid. Like, Right. I'm just saying that, like, as a baseball, I know the kid's not like, I opened a checking account to come here. (laughs) But but I feel like as a player, you know, I would be like, yeah, you know, and another adult wants to give me money for this collectible. That's fine. But yeah, I'm not going to take money from, like, a five-year-old kid. That, to me, just feels... (sighs) 
here's the issue, Jonah. Yeah. What if it's like a dad or a mom goes in there with like three kids and is like, you get this signed, you get this signed, you get this signed. And then she's like, I'm not getting anything signed. Like it's like. Well, the problem with my example too, this event also includes a dinner. So yeah, maybe this is, is a fair price for dinner. I guess this person's more complaining just about the autograph. Was your example a thing that they were referring to in it or you just looked up this example? No, because separate? this example's from like 12 years ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this article. This column was discontinued over 10 years ago. Okay, okay. But, but this Mike Hargrove event is like present day. Yeah, and in case you're interested in going, tickets are on sale now. Paul, you can still go. <laughs> Jonah, should we go? Maybe we should go. Maybe we should go. I feel like I remember Mike Hargrove a little bit. I remember him a little bit, mm-hmm. but I didn't know he was a player, actually. I guess I'm picturing like more of a traditional, not a dinner, but like a autograph at a game. Or, I, I don't know. I guess I just feel like you shouldn't charge kids for your autograph. I don't care if you're a baseball player, you're a musician. I know Vanessa thinks people can game the system, but like at the end of the day, what takes you three seconds to sign something, you know? Well, it's a slippery slope, Jonah. And I think, again, this person could have done a better job of explaining what they mean by saying Cleveland Indian players that go to businesses charge 25. Because what I'm saying is like kind of to Paul's point, if there's a business, aka a middleman that's making money off of this, then it's like if their option is to go to the game early and get your autograph for free. Great. But if it's like you're at like a business event where they're like to get in, you have to pay $25 to get an audit. Like, I don't know. I feel like if the free option is there, then it's like you're just choosing sort of the easier way to go. I don't know. I feel mixed on it. I wish this person had clarified more what they meant. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think it's kind of rude of the plain dealer because they could correct some of the like grammar and stuff in these Or they could just like not print them. Like sometimes it feels like they're sort of making fun of people by like printing. (laughs) But maybe that's just us making fun of them. I don't think the plane dealer should charge subscribers who are 10 years or younger either. Well, Jonah, if they're younger than 10 years old, they probably can't read that well. Their parents are going to be the ones reading. (laughs) Again, there's always, you know, it's tough. (laughs) I'm calling this an unnecessary groan because if this person had such a problem with this, I want them to explain when, where, and what they mean. Mm-hmm. And if any little kids want Vanessa's autograph, you can send a check. <laughs> okay, Jonah. I'm happy to send my autograph to kids for free. You know, they're going to have to pay for the shipping or their parents. I'm not paying for postage. JK, LOL. <laughs> but like I'm betting if you see the player at a restaurant and then you're a kid and you're like, Mr. Hargrove, will you sign my cap? I think the player is is going to sign it for free. But if they're doing one of these autograph events, then they're not right. going to do the entire thing for like hundreds of people for free. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So it sounds like we're not all in agreement. It sounds like Paul and I... Actually, I want to edit my answer. I think I've come around to your side. I think context is everything. I'm not afraid to change my mind. I think, yeah, I think if you're going to an event where the event is pay money and get an autograph then you can't complain about people charging money. I think that's fair. And look, I'll say this. I know that Monday Moaning is a long gone column, 
But if the plane dealer were ever to bring it back, and I don't think they will, but if they were to, I think they should have someone on the beat who follows up with people and says things like, can you clarify your moan? As written, it's pretty unclear what you're complaining about. Could that person be you, Vanessa? Could you have that job? (laughs) I think that you're maybe the only person. Yeah. For the ones that they're going to print, I mean, not for every single moan. (laughs) These must have been emailed in at the end by 2010. These were probably being emailed in. Probably emailed in. It's so easy to email back and just say, give me some context, please. Mm -hmm. Or say to these people up front, if you're going to send us a moan and you're not going to give us context, you're not going to get printed, hun. Don't say hun, (laughs) that's harassment. (laughs) Or it's not, you know, but in a less condescending way. Mm <laughs> Give us some context or and by the way, again, the plane dealer, unless they're picking from scraps, like why are they right printing this stuff? But I do think part of the reason is probably they were getting less and less of these every year and hence they fold And it's been great for the podcast, so who are we to complain? And one day we'll do a podcast where we read the short lived column thankful Thursdays. Okay. And we'll decide whether they should really be thankful for those things or not. Well, I mean, let's just hope that what happened was not enough people were moaning anymore and people were just (laughs) thankful. So we had to get rid of the Monday moan. That must be it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it, Paul. I I appreciate that. A positive note to go out on. Yes. Yes. Paul, where can people learn more about you, your comedy, your acting, your projects? You can find me on social media on Twitter at paulbritton 3 So it's P-A-U-L-B-R-I-T-T-A-I-N-3. When I signed up for Twitter, someone who has (laughs) never used Twitter got the original handle. It's real annoying. Man, that is annoying. That's where I am most. On Instagram, I'm less frequently active, but that's, I think I'm just Paul Britton on Instagram. It's my handle. Yeah, it is. So yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Paul. That was really fun. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you enjoyed that, please subscribe to the pod and keep an eye out for next week's episode of How Did We Get Weird, where we'll discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural touchstones like TV Guide. Wow, pal, you've really done it. And we thank you. And thank you. It was a whale of a time, (laughs) I have to say. Thanks so much. diabetes just got easier the powerful new dexcom g7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks and because dexcom g7 is the most accurate cgm system you can be confident in your food exercise and medication decisions and all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower a1c get started at dexcom.com dexcom data on file 2023 if your glucose alerts and readings from the g7 do not match symptoms or expectations use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions for a list of compatible devices visit dexcom.com compatibility A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. 
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 